Good evening, everyone. We have been speaking for about 10 days now about the advent of Krishna and Ram, this Balaram Dauji, the older brother of Krishna in this instance, Yahoo, the principle of the Avatar Tattva, um, and so forth. Last year we did this based on Bhagavad Gita. This year we've discussed on the basis of Srimad Bhagavatam, where the philosophy and the theology is couched in the context of the narrative of Krishna's Leela. So in the evenings, I've just been asking for questions. And we discussed everything. <laughs> Not quite, but um, maybe I'll read a verse here and we'll talk a little bit from that and then we'll ask for questions. As we've been hearing, this is a very complex theological topic. And um, it's complex enough of the idea of Godhead appearing within our frame of reference with the purpose of taking us beyond our limited frame of reference um, and how we try to frame him within our frame of reference and not take advantage of that by finding his story unbelievable to our pea brain, if you will. Um, but it's theologically then becomes more complex when we study the birth appearance of Krishna through the eyes and through the heart of Sri Chaitanya and there we find that Devaki Nandan Krishna the famous uh, son of Devaki born in the prison house in Mathura and so forth is only a, an angsa, angsa bhagena, a partial manifestation of uh, Sri Krishna. The term Swayam Bhagavan, Swayam Bhagavan is very uh, often invoked in Gaudiya Vaishnavism. And uh, Bhagavan means the Godhead, of course, who is bondful, possessed of all. Bhagavan, all attractiveness, all wealth, strength, beauty, knowledge, fame, renunciation of things that attract us to others uh, who have them in part, in full. Shijiva has described him. The word Bhagavan has uh, rendered it ir- irresistible. This, however, in relation to Krishna. So different manifestations of Bhagavan. And the term Swayam, Swayam means like original it means Swa, himself. So it means Bhagwan when he wants to be himself. Something like that. Relaxed with an intimate circle of friends. And, um, and so we find from the Bhagwat, as understood by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and his followers, they're carefully studying the text. Uh, the hidden incarn- in, in, insight there is that 
Well, Devaki Nandan gave birth to Krishna in Mathura in the prison house of Kamsa. This is a partial manifestation of Krishna. And Swayam Bhagavan himself appeared as the son of Jashoda in Gokul, Mahavan, the kind of the, the suburb of the jurisdiction of, of Mathura. <clears throat> so I haven't gone into a lot of detail about that, drawing it from the, from the text itself and, and so on. You can hopefully just take my word for that. <laughs> this is the Chaitanya Vaishnava understanding. And it's very practical also because we find, as I've been explaining, a difference in the bhava, in the ecstasy, the love of Devaki and that of Jashoda, the two would-be mothers of Krishna. They're both steeped in parental parental love. Vatsalya Prem, it's called. Vatsalya Prem. And um, so with the Prem... Prem has a corresponding object. Prem is divine love is a corresponding object. So if you wonder if Krishna really exists or ever did, ever appeared and so forth, like sometimes people ask, and this is one reply, does Prem exist? Hmm? And uh, if we turn to Sri Chaitanya, we find a primary example, of the prime example of this Prem that um, simply simply uttering the name of Krishna would fall into a swoon. And, uh, and in him we found the uh, Sattvika Bhavas, eightfold Asta Sattvika Bhav, manifestations of ecstasy, all at once in, in what's called like uh, inflamed, smoked, lighted, inflamed. So there's a whole language and analysis of ecstasy in our Gaudiya tradition. It's very uh, nuanced and detailed, fascinating. Um, it kind of excels, so to speak, where mukti lives off, leaves off. And Sri Rupa has given us a these uh, handles, so to speak, terminology, to talk about something that's that's beyond talk. The sutras say ikshatayanashabdat. Shankar understands it that, and there's good sense to that. That the nature of Brahman is such that going there in that direction, speech returns. Going there with mind, mind returns. The implication is that these aren't uh, the vehicles in and of themselves. Hmm? Um, but Balde Bhajibhushan, a Gaudiya commentator, the Gaudiya commentator who had given his Govinda Basha, Govinda speaks, the language of Govinda, he, his whole story, how the, how the commentary came from the deity of Govinda, and Baladev wrote it down. He's rendered it a little differently, finding the double negative there, ikshdeya na ashabdat. That he says, the nature of Brahman is that one can not, something like, how do you say, you cannot say enough about it. Words can never do justice, but that doesn't mean we should be silent. 
No, there's much to be said. And uh, Rupa Goswami has given a wonderful language to help us in that regard, borrowing from secular Indian aesthetic theory about love, drama, and so forth, to speak about the love drama of Bhagwan, the Leela. So, very detailed terminology with regard to ecstasy that the whole Leela is constituted of. Like you asked me, Joanne, the other day, well, can we just, we have to love somebody like separate from ourselves. Can we, like if I fall in love with somebody and it's the right person and for the right reasons and everything and then I find all the good qualities in, in him or her, the child, uh, the youth, uh, the childishness, that's, that's the, the innocence, or the, the purity of, of that as it's thought and so many other things. We, we talk in a general way about the desirable things, good qualities and so forth. Well, I answered you yes in a kind of a general sense. That's that's possible. Um, if you meditate on the absolute in a universal sense, then um, you find those good qualities in another, then you identify here's the Godhead here in the form of these good qualities. So some scope for that, but I said there's more to it than that. If you could take all those qualities and more and personify that, and meet them personally. This is kind of what we're talking about. And then, you know, it has to consider that there's a difference between you and the body. Hmm? The ramifications of that are huge, and it's only like the entry level of Gaudiya Vedanta. They're huge. So, you, have to, you, you look at it like finding something outside of yourself, separate from yourself. This body is separate from yourself. There's no thing more separate from you than that. Hmm? So different from you. It is achit, asat, and nirananda. And you are sat, chit, and ananda. Hmm? It's asat, means that it won't endure. It's achit. It's not knowing. Hmm? It's not cognizant. Hmm? And nirananda, it's a little troublesome too. Hmm? <laughs> it's not full of bliss. So. So this thing is separate from you. This is outside of you. We're talking about going within you, within what you are, kind of a unit of consciousness, a spark of the fire, and interfacing with with the fire, so to speak. So that fire is then, yes, you need the fire of good company. Sometimes you have to speak a little strongly to pry us loose. Salila hmm. so is a different thing altogether. Hmm. Shankar liked to reason that if you're full, why move? Right? And if, you, if, you, if you have no desire, in other words, if you're full, then you have no, nothing to fulfill, so why move? Shanti, Shanti, Shanti. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu reasons, yes, that's good, but he has another idea as well. If you're really full, then you have to move out of fullness. So there's a movement that arises not out of em- out of emptiness. That is the karmic debt that we incur when we move out of a sense of ep- emptiness that causes us to take. Hmm. And then we owe. As much as we take, we owe. So we are moving into negative numbers. Shankar would like us to come to the fullness, or the Buddha for that matter, of zero. And there is fullness and zero in comparison to negative numbers, no doubt. 
But here we're talking about positive numbers. We talk about lila. Hmm? Here, the nature of to be truly full, in the full sense of the term, <laughs> then as it, it gives birth to a necessity to move in celebration out of that fullness. So it is anandamoy. Brahman is anandamoy. And and taking sh- giving shape to ananda. This is not to make it any less. After all, an artist may have a conception, but how much can we take advantage if he doesn't put it to the canvas with the pen and so forth? And, for that matter, it will become more concrete. It's vaguely within him or her, vaguely there. Then in the context of bringing it out, it becomes more concrete. Concrete sounds like something less than spiritual, but this is con- Krishna's sandrananda. That means concrete ecstasy. Ecstasy in a, con- in, a taking, in a concrete form. Condensed, it means. Sandrananda means condensed ecstasy. Hmm. And Brahman is everywhere. So how can... How can Brahman move then if it's everywhere? That is called Leela. Hmm? It is a drama. Hmm? Krishna is a thief, but if one owns everything, what is the meaning of his thievery then? This is Leela. This is play. This is ecstasy exploring itself, is the idea. Hmm? In Chaitanya, we found, uh, we see extraordinary ecstasy. If we take the you, you study this and you find all these types of ecstasy and its nuances and so forth. Taitreya Upanishad says, Rasa Uvai Saha, He, Saha, Brahman is Rasa. Hmm? Brahman is Rasa. This is a nice statement here. This is the, this is the Anandavali of Taitreya. Anandavali. Upanishads talk about different things, no doubt. And there are different statements that different sects draw out as being, here's the main one. This is the most important one. Hmm? I'd like to suggest to you tonight the most important thing to us is Ananda. Hmm? This is what we are all pursuing, Ananda. The Ananda Vali, the Taitra Upanishad. It analyzes then, in Upanishadic language, Ananda. Hmm? And it comes to this conclusion about Ananda. Rasu Vaisa, Brahman is Ananda, Brahman is Rasa. And hmm, that this Rasa, then Brahman is Rasa, is one and different at the same time. Brahman has an internal Shakti that it, in, in relation to which this Leelas is um, ex- expanded. And... and um, Mm. And second, the follow-up there in the Taitaris, and you can taste rasa also. That is your perfection. So this is Gaudiya Vaishnavism. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu exhibited this to such an extreme that uh, that secular thinkers, writers, historians, and so forth concluded that he was an epileptic because he would fall into seizures and fits and so forth. Of course... We don't know anywhere of epilepsy being um, contagious. We haven't encountered a contagious form of epilepsy. 
but we find that Chaitanya's ecstasy was contagious. We are, we are even at a distance now of hundreds of years, as it would seem, we are being affected by that. And his immediate associates were affected by it as well. Hmm? By glancing in a so-called epileptic fit, his friend would get epilepsy as well. <laughs> so this is, you know, if you want to just look at the outside of the bottle of honey and, and I think you know what it means to taste it, you can try that. But our suggestion is open the jar and go within. So a different school here, as we talked this morning. This is a different school for understanding all these things. And the, per- the, the tuition is your heart. You have to pay fully. Give the heart in sharanagati, and that will, in surrender, and that will eventually, that will foster the ecstasy, bhava. So, so Chaitanya, a, a veritable pool of ecstasy, of prem. This is historical. You know, people like to, in Christianity, they like to cite the historicity of of the advent, of the revelation of the Christ and so forth, and document that there were witnesses and they came forward and they saw him rise from the dead. And, you know, this is uh, uh, in one thought, that one sense thought to be the stronger, some of the stronger points of um, the... Uh, Christian doctrines, this historical event actually happened. God's son came, died, and rose, and people witnessed it, and said, you know, nobody ever rises from the dead. In other words, he showed himself to be transcendent, transcendent to the laws. Must be the lawmaker or his son. Uh, something like that. So it's not a bad idea in some respects, but um, then they will challenge. Can you, what about Krishna? Where of the history for that. Can you document that historically? Hmm? So we document the brain of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. <laughs> That's efficient for us. Hmm? Christ is a newcomer anyway, compared to Krishna. So the dating methods and possibilities were more developed at that time. Hmm? As, uh, and uh, anyway, so we document the brain of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. There's not there's something that corresponds with that brain. That brain has an object. That brain means love is an object in which it's reposed. Hmm? There's a reciprocal affair hmm? and between Brahman and its Shakti, Sarup Shakti. So that's all we have to do. You document the brain, then you know Krishna is there. And taking the name, the name is not different from Krishna. You took the name, he fell into a swoon. Hmm? Rupa Goswami writes in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu where he's analyzing ecstasy in great detail, spiritual ecstasy. He says that there are some things I won't write about here because they're so rare that we never see them. Hmm? Like perspiring blood. Hmm? We found this in Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. It was recorded in Chaitanya Charitamrita, in Rathiyatra. It sounds awful. Hmm? I know, but that is a characteristic of Prem. The Adbhuta Charit, the wonderful character of Prem, is that it looks like one thing on the outside, a little scary. I don't know if I want that. He's always crying. Sounds, sounds pretty bad. <laughs> hmm? Fainting. Hmm? But it looks at, outside, it looks a little bit disconcerting. But inside, Bitare Anandamai. It's Anandamai. Full of Ananda. Hmm? Love, as I many times said, seeks 
at first to share itself, and then it realizes well, everybody's not interested, so it has to camouflage itself. So Prem hides itself and shares itself, but it, not with everybody, because why? It doesn't discriminate, but everybody's not interested. So it, it responds proportionately. As Krishna says, "Dhamam prapadam te tamsatayavajam," I reciprocate accordingly. So bhakti also. So, so this uh, then through the eyes, through the heart of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, we are analyzing the Bhagavatam, the Leela, and the whole analysis is based on prema and different measures, if you will, of prema, all of which are complete and perfect, and sub- subjectively perfect, but Objectively, there's some difference. So, tatastavichar, we can invoke some uh, objective analysis of prem, and on the basis of that, because with each expression of prem, there's a corresponding object, then we look and see uh, uh, which object is corresponding with which prem, and we find in Krishna that rasaraj, all all types of love, he's reciprocating with. And the love in Mathura of Devaki and Vasudev was was praying but imbued with some uh, Aishwarya Gyan, two types. Madhurya Gyan, Aishwarya Gyan. Aishwarya Gyan means praying with some knowledge of the divinity of my object of love which creates a little bit of distance. I know he's God, so, well, and sometimes that's eclipsed by the brain. But when he shows, when he manifests in the Leela, his godliness, then there's a backing up, so to speak. So we find Vasudeva and Devaki, when Krishna was born, when he appeared there in the prison house, they were offering all kinds of prayers, you are Bhagavan, Om, and so forth. So their parental love was tinged with Aishvarya. Meanwhile, in the Braj, in the pasture, Nanda and Jashoda's love is not like that. So it's a whole different uh, affair. Hmm? And there, so the story goes, we told a little bit about it, I guess, but we'll finish the discussion there. That's the resting place. There, of course, from there, we go to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. We went with him this morning, so we go back back and forth between the two, Gaur and Krishna, Gaur and Krishna. Hmm? One leads to the other. Krishna gives Gaur, Gaur gives Krishna. It's like the seed of the tree, which came first. Krishna or love of Krishna. Hmm? They're chasing one another around hmm? in the perfect uh, perfect circle. So, there in, in Vrindavan, as I said, Nanda and Yashoda, they wanted it, they had a vision. While Devaki and Vasudev prayed, they wanted to have God as a son. Huh? Nanda and Yashoda didn't pray like that. They, they had a dream, a vision. They wanted to have a son who was more beautiful than God. They thought, that's crazy, we can't do that. They were devotees of Narayan. They thought, we want a son who's more charming, more beautiful. And they thought, this, this is crazy. Then they shared notes. And they, they were both having the same vision. So they took a vow to worship Narayan for a year. Anyway, see what happened. And in the course of the year, the, the Yashoda, who had yet 
been able to bear became pregnant. And she took this very strict vow, she was very strictly controlling her senses. But around the eighth month or so, she found that she was desiring rice, cooked in ghee, and sweets, and milk products, and so forth. As Krishna began to, to manifest there. So, in the night, at night, the Brajas anticipating, all the inhabitants anticipating, they had nothing, they had no sorrow, except as years went on, the king didn't have a son, now they didn't have a son. So this started to become a sorrow. This starts to, this is the pitch, the higher pitch then of Vipralamba, separation, Vyog, and Alila. Separation causes then union in Alila, and then from union there will be separation, and it's going back and forth like this, like the high tide and the low tide of ecstasy. And in separation, the heart grows fonder, and in union, it's satisfied, then there's anticipation of separation that's to come, even in the present, even in union, union in separation, separation in union, uh, complex. Anyway, it's moving like this. So, in a larger sense, all the inhabitants of Vrindavan, they start to feel a separation. They're eternal associates of Krishna, so they've appeared on earth. Krishna was, Brahma was told by Vishnu, I'm going to appear on earth. Tell the denizens of heaven to appear also, hmm, to assist me. So, I've explained this before, these denizens of heaven are partial manifestations in terms of the, the, the responsibilities they hold in the universal order Partial manifest because that's Daivanitrena, a godly influence, partial manifestations of Krishna's friends, parents, and so forth, who also follow him in the Vaikuntha as associates of Narayan, they follow as associates of Indra, Brahma, and uh, the denizens there, and so forth. This is one type of denizen. Then there are those sadhakas. Gita says, What? If you're not successful in yoga, then you can go to heaven for a while. Then you come back, you can pick up where you left off. So some went there, and they were at such a pitch, they were waiting for the Leela to manifest, where they could then perfect themselves in the context of the Leela. So all these people are coming, and they're coming and they enter into, or they follow in the wake of the Bhav of Krishna's eternal associates. Krishna's not like living alone in, in ecstasy, and his people are that, that are the correspond with that ecstasy somewhere else in heaven, they're with him, so... Nanda Yashoda, these are not heavenly denizens or sadhakas trying to perfect themselves. They're eternal associates, the entourage of Krishna. Hmm? So they descend ahead of time. Hmm? And they're in separation. Because hmm? Krishna and they're in they're in they're in a divine kind of ignorance in the Leela. So and this, this separation reaches a pitch, and then the whole of the Braj is lamenting. Nanda doesn't have a son, Nanda doesn't have a son. So then she's pregnant. They're all joyful and, uh, and um, waiting for the, for the moment of his birth and so forth. But it's, you know, it's late into the night, so the midwife comes at the notice at the last minute, and nobody else knows. Hmm? She tends to just so it's dark, and, you know, they didn't have hospital lights in the Leela, so some candle, some ghee wick, and so forth. And, um, and a son 
was born. Hmm? And Jashoda passed out at the thought. Hmm? And the midwife celebrated in her heart and a daughter was born. Hmm? Unbeknownst to the midwife. Meanwhile, as I said, over in Mathura, Krishna is born, but it's a problem because Jashoda is praying, you're my son, but Krishna's compass is going to try to kill you and you're God and I'm confused and do something about it. Assume a form that you'll be, Kamsa won't detect you. This is her kind of bewilderment. Like if Kamsa saw him in forearms, so he think my day is up. <laughs> I'm finished. So anyway, so Vasudev then takes Krishna. He's in prison. How did he get out? So this... This Yogamaya, this is like the Shakti of internal Shakti that governs the Leela, sets up the stage and the props and so forth, following Krishna invisibly like a shadow, anticipating his every um, ecstasy and facilitating that. So she goes to Mathura, on the order of, of the Godhead, and all the guards go to sleep. Ananda Vasudev can take the keys, open it, takes the child out. It was a rainy night, right? Stormy night. Uh, and um, monsoon hmm, uh, season. And uh, uh, so anyway, he, he takes her across, the sun across the river. The river opens like it did for Moses. <laughs> Maybe they got the idea from there. Um, and... Goes to Vrindavan. This is his half brother, Nanda, as we heard. So he goes there. He thinks this is a safe haven for my son. It's dark. He comes in and he leaves the son and he takes the daughter, doesn't see the other son. And that Angsa of Krishna, that partial manifestation of Krishna in Dwarka, in Madura, goes back into his source. Swayam Bhagavan, Sri Krishna. And then it's announced in the morning, Nanda Maharaj has a son. The king has a son. The queen has a son. Hmm? Nanda's in the cowshed at the time, milking cows. And one of the midwife's assistants comes bearing some auspicious paraphernalia that, that is indicative that the birth has taken place, that it's a son. So Nanda looks... He sees the midwife assistant. He sees the paraphernalia, auspicious paraphernalia. He understands the language, sign language. His heart expands in ecstasy. Hmm? So, uh, immediately on the spot, he says, give that woman and her husband a million cows. Hmm? Hmm? Uh, <laughs> uh, and... Uh, and everybody related to her for generations. Let them all be wealthy. I exhaust my treasury, practically. Everything I have. And, uh, and she who brought me this, this sign, this news. So how we should feel about our guru who given us this wealth and who, who, who fosters this kind of pregnancy and birth of Krishna in our life. What can I give to Nanda? What can I? You have shown the way. You have told me. You have given me this news. Uh, this, this. 
such a thing is possible in my life. So, we learn from him. Many lessons, there's one. Gratitude is like the basis, the kind of like really primal idea of love. Thank you is so basic that we don't use it practically in Gaudiya Vaishnavism because it distances us. Thank you. No, friends, among friends, we don't have to say it's taken for granted, something like that. But, then again, we're a crude stock, so we should at least invoke the mantra, thank you, that's the beginning. This is the karma mark, gratitude to the gods. Thank you. And we take, <laughs> thank you. So, then thank you without taking. This is, this is progressive. And from there it grows. Sacrifice grows as it gives birth to the womb of sacrifice and love is born. <clears throat> so, so we join, we join the mission, we join the, the, um, we tread the path and, uh, and the path of love. So we prepare to sacrifice and give and learn, learn to give until so I say sometimes you have to give until you. How much should I give until you feel a pinch because you haven't given yet? And after, if you haven't, don't feel the pinch. And eventually, it will come the other side. You will give, and there will be no pinch. You'll be living in giving. No, you won't feel the pinch. You so much identified with the object of love here, Krishna. There's no, there's no pinch. It's like when you give to yourself, you don't feel a pinch, right? So, when your self becomes defined, not by your false sense of my and false ownership of things that you cannot keep, that, that's why it's false. That identity, that can't be maintained. It's based on desire, based on attachments. It's impossible to maintain that. When we become attached to the Godhead, like the gopis, like the gopas, they don't feel there's any difference between us and Krishna. This is a dynamic kind of union with Brahman. There's no difference between us and Krishna. He's a he's and he's he's a he's a bridge bossy, a resident of this place, and we are too. The philosophical reality is that if there's to be intimacy and and dynamic union between the finite and the infinite, then the finite will have to take an infinite like appearance in order to make that possible. Otherwise, if we're up against the finite, we'll feel awed by that and some distance will be created. So to overcome that, the aprakrita lila, this is sweet, this is madhurya, sweetness, human-like lila. Brahman takes a form that we can associate with Brahman intimately. And that means that our love is not just the end of taking, to stop taking. This is gyanmarg. Stop taking. And not just to give in a calculated way because it should be done. Om Narayana is God. He should be given to. But as I've said many times, here we're talking about bridging the gap, the distance between the object of worship and the worshiper. Turning puja, worship, into love. And so it's a, it's, this is a dynamic union. So they're giving, but they don't feel like they're giving. Because they're giving to themselves. Their identity is based on their attachment to Krishna. Prem is, is, is characterized by attachment. 
I mean, just think about it. You have a daughter, you're attached to your daughter. Then you get detached after a while, what can you do? But, um, you know, or to your husband or to your friends. The same way that these moments of attachment have defined you and, 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 and consumed you, to be that consumed by, by the truth. Satyam Param Dimahi. That's possible in Kirtan. Dimahi, Bhagavatam here is a plural. This kind of meditation. It's an extraordinary idea. So we go beyond the pinching, if you will. First of all, you give until you feel a pinch, and then keep giving until it doesn't pinch anymore. Then you're living in giving. No calculation involved. So, Nanamarsha, I've got. A, he realized I've got a son. So then, of course, he proceeded, uh, barely able to walk, hmm, to the to the section where he was at that time allowed to come in. Jashoda's hmm. love, in parental love, in Batsalya Rasa, that is, there's no. There's, this is she is the paradigmatic person in Krishna Lila that personifies this love. Next is Nanda. Mm. Then Rohini. Mm. Then so many inhabitants of Vrindavan. Then we go to Mathura, Vasudev and Devaki. Mm. So now she is the told us she is the queen of this kind of love. So she has a full experience. Then Nanda is allowed in at a certain time. Mm. He, gets, it's a, a, he gets to come in at a certain time. And look at a little bit of a distance. Gradually he gets to hold his son also. Mm. But the Shoda is the, is, the, is the full, I mean, there's not a big difference here, but full, full embodiment hmm, about Salya Brain. Then Nanda said, then Rohini. So to say something about Rohini, I wanted to do that somewhere in here. Hmm? And this description, this is kind of the after description. As I say, Krishna's born at midnight. Now it's known in the morning time he's been born. And so the... They're celebrating in the town, in the village of Vrindavan and so forth. And, uh, and, and Rohini, Rohini is the mother of Ram, Balaram. She's one of the wives of Vasudev, who wasn't imprisoned as Devaki was. She was sent to safety, again, to the half-brother, the cousin-brother of Vasudev, Dinanda's house. There she was staying, there she gave birth to Ram, Balaram. A few days, a week, what is it? Eight days or so, yeah, eight days before Krishna, on the full moon. Hmm? We talked about that. We celebrated that. That's a big story. I don't know if I should go back into that. But um, eight days before, he was just like the full moon. Hmm? So attractive, so charming in every way that the fact that he was dull, deaf and dumb and lame was overcome by his beauty and charm. It couldn't be seen as a fault. They took him and put him in the arms of Jasoda when he was close to the to the her pregnancy to her womb. Then he started to move a little bit. Hmm? As soon as Krishna was born, he could see, he could hear, he could talk, everything. It means he's living this Rama, only to talk about Krishna, only to serve Krishna. This is this he's the he's Bhagwan in a serving ego. Hmm? And Bhak and what is it? Bhaktabhiman Sri Balarami. The Balaram is the is the is the origin of the serving ego that we are also 
endowed with. We have the capacity. We are a unit of serving capacity. You know, we're a heart unit. We give our hearts somewhere, and then we serve accordingly. We repose. We're reposing ourselves always somewhere. The secret is only where to repose that. So here, Nanda is like just you know he's really out of it. He's uh, his head is just swimming in ecstasy. Meanwhile. This is a big deal. He's had a son, and all the people are coming. They're, they're, all the every mother in the brudge. Hmm? When Krishna appeared um, in the maternity ward from Yashoda, every mother in the brudge, all these inhabitants, they, they they felt this huge upsurge of Vatsalya Bhakti, hmm? and they just came naturally to the queen of Vatsalya's house, they just intuitively, they, so there they were, it was a big, huge group, and they were all, without even being told, in other words, they, they could feel it. Hmm? These, these, all these inhabitants, there's whole lives there, they have husbands, wives, children, it's kind of funny because we talk about, give up your family, become a mendicant, enter the forest, and their ideal is, our ideal is this brudge, and they're all attached to one another, and they're cows, and, relatives and so forth. But the secret of it is, of course, they're all more attached to Krishna than their own partner, than their own children. And the children are more attached and the partners are more attached. So it's all centered around Brahman and Brahman is expressing himself in ecstasy through these um, uh, apparent others. Hmm? They're one in will and this reciprocal dealing is going on. This is a call of Leela. So anyway... Their mothers are all converging on the scene. Nanda should have been a good host. This is a big affair, right? But he couldn't really be the host. He was too taken by the birth of his son. And Yashoda, of course, was you know, still in bed. So Rohini, she took over everything. So she was the maitre, maitre d', is that right? Anyway, no. She was... Hmm? No, she was the host, you know. She was like the hostess, there we go. She was the hostess, taking care of everybody, making sure that everyone... Uh, and so, um, here in the text, looking for the verse, but... Anyway, Nandagopa, he, 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 he praises Rohini. You're doing a great job. Keep it up, something like that, so... She's an important person in, in this whole thing, very much. She she is the, of course, Rohini's implication is more than the person, Rohini, also the fact that Krishna is born under this Rohini constellation, this particular stellar configuration. In the, in the heavens, then, it's described that Daksha had 27 wives. No, daughters, excuse me. Twenty-seven daughters, Daksha, and um, Rohini was different kinds from different places, and she was the human one, Rohini, and she became married to Chandra, the moon. He became the moon became totally infatuated with the human wife of Daksha, Rohini, and um, and so it said that. One that's born under his, under the Rohini's influence, will have a, you know, be affected by women. 
We have, uh, this is Krishna, the dear Lalita, he's conquered by Radha's love. We have all the gopis and so forth. It, uh, he was very much uh, stirred, the Chandra, the moon god, who's predominating deity of the mind by erotic love. So born under that influence, then eroticism will be a prominent part of that person's life. So we learn from this something about Krishna. It's, uh, uh, Rohini, uh, this, uh, um, Arohana, Avarohana, both things in her are embodied. It means it means literally descending and ascending. Hmm? Rohana means to rise, so it means that she uh, personifies, this, this constellation speaks about an auspicious time for beginnings. It's an auspicious time for beginning, especially the beginning of, of, of this of the planting, hmm? which will bring food. She will give rise to food in a very basic way. That's stellar uh, arrangement. That constellation speaks about material sustenance, which just depends upon food, fertility, hmm? and uh, and 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 the bounty that comes from a fertile field and so forth. So. She speaks about materially flourishing in a meaningful and an essential way. Hmm? This is then descending, if you will. In other words, descending and and bringing about our sustenance materially. But she's also, uh, this constellation is interesting, it goes both ways, ascending and descending. So she's also a, a, a mukti nakshatra hmm, that gives deliverance from the world as well. Gives nourishment, nourishment within the world, gives deliverance from the world. We find this in a powerful way, both sides in Krishna. Hmm, capable of maintaining and, and in his presence then there will be all auspiciousness material and also giving giving liberation, release from the world that's um, within his his grasp. Rohini, is, is she's depicted as the, uh, her vehicle, these goddesses have vehicles, is, is the bullock cart drawn by the cow. Her color is Arun, saffron, like we gave saffron. So this is an interesting point I'm kind of like speaking about in general, that if you, you want to understand Krishna, do his chart. So <laughs> we've got the chart of Krishna. You say the chart says, this is Brahman in human form, human-like form. That's how the chart reads. We read this morning, early this morning, Vishwanath Chakrathitaka was talking somewhat like this about the way in which the season responded and the, the heavens, the stars, and so on and so forth. He said on a Wednesday at midnight, this time, Brahman appeared in the world, who's everywhere but making an appearance. So, this is, anyway, something about how we view the birth of Krishna from the point, from the standpoint of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's ecstasy, that um, the Bhagavat very much facilitated. He heard the Bhagavat regularly from the mouth of in heart of Gadadhar Pandit, who is 
the very ecstasy of Radha in Gaur's Leela, and uh, all these poetic and yet profound ideas have been passed on to, to us through the disciplic succession of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. We call that Gaudiya Vaishnavism. So, I didn't want to speak too long. I was probably spoke too long tonight. We have some other events, right? I think there's a movie. Is it? Yeah? yeah. What is that next? Um, after some time. A little break for no popcorn, though. That comes <laughs> later than the movie. And then there'll be the Abhishek, the bathing of the deities in Kirtan, and then midnight Arctic, and then we serve out, we break the fast. So, are there any questions about anything at all? Yes. Uh, you were talking about the Christians, yeah. you know, the resurrection and all that, and according to Christianity, Christians, the 12 apostles, disciples, they were hiding out after the crucifixion, and because they saw the resurrected Jesus, that gave them the inspiration and the power to go out and preach and spread Christianity all over the place, and so forth. With the help of was, with the help of Paul. Yeah. With the help of Paul, who came a little later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Okay. So we don't we have the same thing? I mean you were mentioning that about Mahapu's praying. We have the same thing in that you have a, a, a number of people, Rup Sanatan and all these yeah. others, who were in one sense, you know, they were ordinary people in one sense. And they saw Mahaprabhu and his miracles and his frame, like you said, and they, because of that, they, they, they were so inspired that they just dropped everything. That's true. They just yeah. dropped everything and became mendicants in the forest. Uh, almost the Sanatana Goswami was uh, almost uh, executed. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. So we, so we have the same thing, right? They don't have anything on us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. As much as we say that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was Krishna, but that's that's fair enough, right? He's avatar Krishna. That's demonstrated in Bhagavad and so on and so forth. So as much as as Krishna is an avatar or a descent of the Godhead, so. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, yeah, so in that sense, that's why I say we, we can go back to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu only a few hundred years ago. Hmm? There are many biographies of him and, uh, and the, the consistent uh, uh, theology as well. Hmm? And um, a little more than you find in, in the Bible theologically as, as well. In the source book, which is, which is interesting because of course, the Catholics and Protestants too later on, they theologized quite a bit on the basis of the Bible. But the book that we are theologizing out of is the Bhagavatam, which is itself the first attempt at theology in human society to make a systematic, uh, give a systematic understanding of all the Upanishads. That's Vedanta Sutra, and the sutras, commentary in the sutras is Bhagavatam. So... It's rich. It's rich. And this should be, you know, this should be given a chance. Put, a, put the Bhagavatam in every hotel room, you know. It's, it's rich. It's theologically very, very, very rich. 
So, Thakur Bhaktivinoda is the great Gaudiya Vaishnava, of course. He was very generous. He said, uh, what is that verse from the Gita? Yada yadahi dharmasya ghanir bhavati bharata vyutanam dharmasya taratmanam sijami. Famous verse. It's about the advent of Krishna. He comes to establish dharma and, and do away with adharma, protect the devotees and so forth. Sambhavami yuge yuge. Vinashaya tadushkritam dharma samstapanartaya sambhavami yuge yuge. So he says, in other countries it happens too, to some extent, and they give some different teaching that's similar like that. So he gave some credibility to whoever there was a, a powerful manifestation of divinity. So he said something like that. So he was very broad-minded in his appreciation of um, any expression of Ecstasy, I guess, <laughs> a real ecstasy of, of love of God. So, but yeah, they don't have anything on us. You're right. And and I'll tell you another thing. Christ's descent, as it's understood in the Bhagavatam, only happens once. Christians comes again and again. <laughs> so, <laughs> they've got a linear time. We've got cyclical time. These are eternal moments reappearing in the life of the Absolute. Uh, it's that, again, it's, it's, it's being, continuing to become forever. Hmm? And overflowing into the world and back and, and so forth. So, yes, Leela? I was going to say, we, we used to put a copy of Joy of Self in all our hotel rooms. And uh-huh. Do we have any more? I don't know. Might be out of print, but maybe we'll print some more. Yeah, we. Yeah, that's a nice little book, Joy of Self. And they all disappeared. They all disappeared. People took them. Okay, well, there you go. We'll have to print some for sure. What else? Another question. Kumarasi, you brought up the point how uh, there's a lot of. Um, Things found in the Bible that are also found in um, the Shastras. And I'm just wondering, does that somehow coincide with um, Krishna's descent, like in teaching to people according to their time and circumstance? Like somehow he's taught them the same things similarly, but on a lesser level? Because I'm thinking in my head, there's a lot more of these things, and they obviously first happened here. And then they showed up later on over there. In the East, you mean? Mm -hmm. Uh, So they're all kind of connected to the same person, (laughs) as they had the same idea. I mean, it's basically, like I said this morning, in human life, consciousness is starting to blossom. Mm -hmm. Nature is finding out it has a soul. So this, this is the natural question and pursuit that there's something more than what meets the eye and um, and so the the bigness of nature as a composite as a whole in comparison to us may be worshipped a big mountain animism you know a big tree a big whatever hmm? um, this is this is like what I like to say this is where consciousness goes on its own naturally it goes there it's it, it, it 
it's not artificial. In other words, religion is not an artificial imposition on consciousness that's got consciousness imprisoned under archaic ideas and so forth, um, when in reality it's just some nerve endings and nothing more than that. <laughs> if that's, you want to talk about something oppressive, that's oppressive, that idea. Hmm? That consciousness is, um, that, you know, the lights are on, but there's nobody there. And people are philosophizing like this in science, philosophy of mind, and so forth. Hmm? This is oppressive, this idea. It goes against our first person. Uh, subjective experience that's that's the basis of everything we do. Hmm? Our whole life is, is based on a subjective experience that we exist. That's why we get up out of bed. You can't prove it in the laboratory that you exist. You can't prove it with reason. Hmm? So how valuable then is the, that third-person objective empiric validation? <laughs> if we... We can't validate that we exist through that experiment, so maybe we should stop living, but nobody does. So first-hand subjective experience is more credible, perhaps, in, in this broader sense than, than third-hand objective experience. Obviously, we want to distinguish our experiences, reality from illusion, and that's an attempt to do that, but... Um, the illusion that you are, people would like to doubt that without, with, without empiric evidence, but um, that's a conjecture in itself, right? So we make a conjecture also, and our conjecture is we are following the natural course of consciousness as, it, as the I, sense of I, awakens in human society. It feels, consciousness feels that there's more. I'm part of a more than what meets the eye, the senses, the limitations, that I don't, I don't die. I feel like I, sh- I can do more. I can do... There's no limitations. You feel like that. Hmm? So this is because consciousness is like that. It's not limited by matter. This is where it goes unto itself. And that going unto itself, so to speak, that, that inquiry, that feeling, that sensibility corresponds with this revelation that confirms that. This is, this is confirming. This, uh, the sounds, for example, of the Upanishads manifested in rishis who were tuned into the, in, in such a way that that such thing manifested. These sounds are confirming that. Hmm? And so we don't find that to be oppressive, right? Hmm? Meanwhile, when philosophy in the Western world divorced itself from revelation, which was basically the Western revelation hmm, of the Bible and so forth, and, and when it started to, then, you know, that was the beginning of the end. That was the beginning of the oppression of consciousness, in a sense, that we arrive at today. Hmm. So, anyway, my point only here is that consciousness unto itself, it starts to reach out like this. So it's going to get some answers back. Hmm? It's met to the, according to the measure of its search and so forth. And this over lifetimes. So 
answers are going to come back. So people are born in different places for different reasons. And there will be different degrees of manifestation of divinity there and so forth to correspond with their their interest. So it's all coming from the same place. That's where there's similarities, which is your question. That's the answer. Welcome back. Another question? Yes. I just had a quick um, clarification from an earlier talk where you're talking about Nityananda Prabhu experiencing Madhurya Ras through his <laughs> Shakti. Yeah. Is, what's the, the Siddhanta? Like is, I, I thought, I had heard before that that was part of our Siddhanta, and then in that talk it seemed like you kind of showed the problem with it. Yeah, the problem. I point out the problem. No. Uh, this Anangamanjari is the is a Shakti manifestation of Balaram, like Radha is a Shakti manifestation of Krishna. Hmm? So I know that Balaram is ex- Balaram himself is experiencing Madhurya Rasa. Anangamanjari is as the younger sister of of of, uh, of Radharani in that form. That is Bala. If you want to make the two one in terms of bhava, then you that's a problem. They're, they're one in terms of siddhanta. They're different in terms of bhava. So the bhava, the ecstasy of Manangamanjari, is different than that of Ram, Balaram. Hmm? They're one in terms of tattva. They're different. They represent a difference in terms of bhava. So when you try to say, oh, Balaram is Nityananda, then it's also experiencing the Madhurya Rasa, Parakiya, and so forth. Because Nangamanjari is, you're, you're making the, the, the two things that are different by Bhava, one in the name of Bhava. They're one in the name of Tattva, Siddhanta. Then there's a Shakti, and the, and the, and the Shakti Man are one and different. And the difference is the Bhava. So you, you can't put it together like that. Nangamanjari is feeling that. So, um, you know, she has her own sampradaya, Janabhama sampradaya, Nityananda's consort, so forth. She can give that, but that doesn't mean that, that Nityananda Prabhu is tasting Madhurya Ras, Balaram is tasting, tasting Parakiya. No, as I said on Bali Purnim, the main the window to uh, um, Balaram's reality given by the Goswamis. There's no greater window to that. There's no more about Balaram than what they've given, what they've shown. What they focus on is Balaram as a manifestation of Sakyarasa and 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 the supreme kind of example of, of serving in Sakya, Dasya, and, um, and Vatsalya also. Mm-hmm. This is the window they've given. Now, some people think, well... Ram has his own gopis, and I want to become one of those. And go, this would be the more of Ram. No, it's not the more. That's the less of Ram. That's in Mariada. That's not Parakia. Hmm? Balaram came back as a messenger from 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 Dwarka, sent by Krishna. Hmm? He married those gopis. Krishna doesn't marry the gopis. That's Parakia. Hmm? Balaram married all those gopis. That's Mariada. That's a, that, and and there's no sadhana for that. There's no channel through Guru Parampara that's affording us that. So we don't don't, under, don't think that Goswamis have given something less. And I find that sometimes people want to make more out of Nityananda Prabhu as if but they're making less out of 
in their in their attempt. They should go through the what the Goswamis have given there. You're going to find more about Vrindavan, about Prajendanandan Krishna, about Krishna, Balaram, about Radha and Krishna than what you find from them. Hmm? They were schooled by Chaitanya himself, with Radha and Krishna combined. You understand? So that's a, you know a bit of a distortion. You understand it? Yeah, the problem is when they they make it all one, and um, when they make the bhavas one, so that they can say something like, you know, we yeah. Nityananda has access to the highest, our lineage has access to the highest. But the yeah, I understand. The yeah. Siddhanta is okay. Yeah. yeah. If again, if Krishna and Radha were one in all respects, what's the need of Chaitanya then? Mm-hmm. Then Krishna can taste 